Man, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Um, can I just get a woohoo if you're happy to be here? Give me a woohoo. Uh, if you don't know, I'm a woohooer. Uh, those of you who are regular here at East Brainerd, uh, you know that. I come from a long line of woohooers. Uh, my grandmother used to woohoo while watching college football. Uh, she would sit in her recliner, and whenever anybody, didn't matter which team, scored, her little legs that still didn't touch the ground in her recliner would fly up off the ground, and she would go, woo! And so I come by it naturally. So if I get excited, I like to give a little bit of a woo-hoo, and so I thought, what better day to give a woo-hoo than Resurrection Day? As has already been said, Christmas means nothing if not for Easter. All the time that um, you spent reading your Bible, all the prayers that you've ever prayed, Bible classes that you've ever went to, all of the nice Sunday clothes you've ever put on, it means nothing if Jesus did not rise from the dead. It means nothing. And, and, and so it is a day to go, woohoo, because this is the day that means all of those years of wearing a tie, Steve Kahn, it's been worth it. That's what it is. Give me a woohoo. There we go. And those of you that were like, Mom, why do I have to get dressed up today? It's worth it. It's woohoo day. And it's going to be great. It's a good thing. We are glad that you're here today. I am a woohooer. And I'm sure that you're sitting beside some woohooers too who are, who are glad to be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We've been praying uh, for this day. Our staff has been uh, praying for you, for your family. I've uh, been praying for uh, you to be here and to be able to experience the worship today with uh, friends and, and family and, and hopefully be moved closer in, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our mission, move people toward a life-restoring relationship with Jesus. It's what we're about here at East Brainerd, and that's been our prayer. Uh, but, but we've got to ask the question. We've got to just go ahead and put it out there. Is it, really, is it really a big enough deal to come and remember something that may or may not have happened some 2,000 years ago? I mean, is it really something to woohoo about? Is it something to really get excited about? Is it something that should actually move the needle at all? Well, here's what Scripture says about that day. Scripture says that the same power that God used to raise up Jesus from the dead... He wants to focus that same power on those who believe in him. Now, I want you to think about that. That means if you were here this morning and you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was raised. God says, I want to focus the same power that raised Jesus. I want to focus that in your life. The same power. Now, think about what that could potentially do. Could it help you overcome some barriers that you're dealing with right now? Could it potentially empower you to become something that you are currently not? Uh, would it be able to enable you in some way to move past destructive decisions that you've made in your past? Maybe destructive decisions that you've even already made this morning. If the power of God is able to be focused in on your life, then what could actually happen? Could, 
Could you change in the way in which you treat others? Could your relationship with your children be different? Could the relationship at home with your spouse, could that be strengthened? Could, could there be something different take place in your life if the power of God was actually realized in your life? Look at this scripture that's on the screen. It's in your Bibles from Ephesians chapter 3 and in, in verse 20. When I get to the underlying part, will you, will you say that out loud with me? Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Well, that, that was good, but I think we can do better. All right, let's try it again. Now, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Woo! Man, get that? One more time. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You came in here this morning, you were like, I don't know. I don't know about this Easter thing. I don't know about this resurrection deal. I don't know about this Jesus coming back to life. I don't know about this old, old story. I don't know if it's something worth celebrating. Well, let me ask you this. Could being able to move through and pass your addictions be something worth celebrating? Could, could, could being able to, to restore broken relationship be something worth celebrating? Could be, being able to restoring value to your life and, and moving past shame and regret, could that be something worth celebrating? Because according to Scripture, the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead, God says, I want to use to raise your life again. I want to raise you up. So that you can be what I made you to be. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for breathing life into Jesus. Thank you so much for the power that allowed his still lungs to breathe again. For, for the power that caused, that caused his heart to begin beating again. For the power that allowed him to walk out of the grave. Because it's that same power that you have promised to those who believe. And so Father, we've come here today from all kinds of different walks of life. From different places. From different backgrounds. All bringing different stories. But we have come here today just in case the story be real. Because Father, if the story is real, then that means you're real in my life. And that means the power is available to me to be raised up again and to live anew for you and one day with you. It's in the name of Jesus that we say thank you. Amen. How many kids do we have here this morning? How many little kiddos? If you're a little kid, raise your hand. You might have to, somebody can, I can see. Hey, hey. Um, you guys got all dressed up. Many of you got dressed up and you're like, Mom, why do I have to do this? Um, so, so look, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Here's what I want you to do. I need you guys. I want you to come join me up here on stage, all right? I want you to come join me up here on stage. If you're a little kiddo, if you're in, you know, preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, if you're part of our EB kids, if you had to get dressed up this morning and you heard, don't get your clothes dirty, come on, let's go. Come up here with me. Come here. Come here. Come here. Just have, come up here and have a seat. Come up here and have a seat. Come on. Here we go. Just have a seat. Sit down. 
Come on, guys. Come on, guys and gals. There's room. We can fill up the seats here. Or fill up the um, stairs. Come on. Moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, if you need to come along too, that's fine. You need to show off your tie, Steve Kahn. Come on back. Whatever you want to do. Hey, come on. We got plenty of room over here in the middle, guys. Fill in over here. Come on. Come on around. Come on. Come on around. Get here in the middle. Come on. Come on. Keep coming. Come on around. Man, you guys look awesome. Y'all look really good. Don't they look good? Yeah. Now, in a minute, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas are going to give you a little heads up. Uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to have these guys all turn around, and they're going to stand up, and you're going to be able to take a picture of all these kiddos up here if you'd like to, all right? So go ahead and um, get, your phones, uh, get your phones ready. Um, if, um, if you're a grandparent, that means um, that's code for camera. Phone ready, camera, okay? Just telling you. Um, hey, kids, look. Everybody, eyes on me just a minute. Hey, guess what? Today is um, today's Easter Sunday, and it's really cool because, like I said, it is a day when, when those who believe in Jesus get together to celebrate the fact that God used his power to um, give him life, all right, again. And uh, it's really cool whenever the story of Easter is told to children, and then they're able to tell it back. Here's what I want you guys to do. I've got a special video for you. I want you to be able to look here on, this, on the side screens, Okay. All right, I want you to be able to look there, and I want you to watch this video of other children talking about Easter, okay? Watch this. <laughs> After Jesus died, they put Jesus in a tomb and wrapped him with some white paper. They put a big stone around it and placed guards in front of the tomb to let nobody go in. He was just waiting for the three days. He's probably drinking soda while eating hot Cheetos. <laughs> he would probably play games like Candyland and then have a party by himself. <laughs> the Easter Bunny was hiding behind a tree. <laughs> he probably went out there and just, just throw eggs everywhere. And then he's going to say, there's one money egg, so you better find it. You don't get some money. Three days later, there was a big earthquake. I think we should go away somewhere safe. It's like, I'm getting out of here. The earth is shaking. Run for your lives. <laughs> and the guards ran off because they got scared. And then on Sunday, Mary and some of her friends came with some spices. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. His clothes only was there. Then an angel came and said, don't be afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead. Go tell the, go tell everyone, go tell the good news. Mary and her friends went and told the disciples. She said, Jesus has rising from the dead. Guys, guys, Jesus has risen from the dead. And the disciples didn't believe them. No, that couldn't happen. Jesus can't raise from the dead. Uh, I don't believe it until I see it. But all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus just came, just was there. Jesus, I am the, I'm the, I am the son of the Lord God, and I am Jesus, your friend, 
and then the disciples said, Jesus, it's you. Yay! Jesus is alive! Totes cool. Jesus, before he left to heaven, he said, I have done what I have came to done. And then he risen, then he was going up to heaven. His disciples were crowded around him. The disciples said, holy guacamole. I can't believe Jesus really flew. That's awesome. Now what? Let's go tell the news. Oh, man. Isn't that good? Wow. That was good, wasn't it? Now, now. Uh, you know, now your moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas already know this, but sometimes when you hear certain stories or when you hear things that are told to you, sometimes when you go try to tell others, it doesn't come out the same way that you heard it. Right, moms and dads? You, you, you've experienced that before, right? So those kids, they were telling the story. Um, I'm not for sure Jesus was hanging around eat, drinking Coke and eating hot Cheetos. I don't know if that was going on. I'm pretty sure the Easter Bunny wasn't a part of that story. Um, so here, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to listen real close. I want to read to you guys. I'm going to read to you from the Bible. And here is what, here's what the Bible says happened on that Easter morning. All right? Everybody listen real close. So grab a bubble. Everybody be really quiet. And here's what it says. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, that's one of Jesus' friends, came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter. That was another one of Jesus' friends. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know. She thinks that somebody has stolen Jesus. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. They stopped, they looked in, and they saw the linen wrappings lying there, but they didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, he, he went inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And the cloth that had been covering Jesus, it had been folded up and it was lying apart from all the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first went in and saw, and it says he believed. For until then, they had not understood the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then they went home. Why do you think they went home? Why do you guys think they went home? Why? They went home because they didn't understand, right? They were like, we don't know what happened. This sounds really crazy. And so they just went home. And then it says, here's what happened. That Sunday evening... The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. And suddenly Jesus was standing among them and he said, peace. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hands and on his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Why do you think they were filled with joy? Why do you think they were filled with joy, guys? Why? Why? Because they were rejoicing. Why? Because they just saw Jesus. That's right. They just saw Jesus and they were excited. And again, he said to them, I want my peace to be with you. And listen to this. This is, this is really cool. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So where did they go first time when they saw that the tomb was empty? They went where? They went home. And now Jesus has come 
and they have seen him and he says, now I'm going to send you out. I'm going to get you out of the house. I'm going to get you to leave home because you have a story to tell. And what do you think that story was? What was the story? That Jesus was what? Alive. Say that real loud. Jesus was? Jesus was? One more time. Jesus was? And guess what? That is the same story that we are here today to tell. That Jesus was and he is and will remain alive. Guys, I want you to turn. I want you to look towards mom and dad and grandma and grandpa over there. Everybody go ahead. I want you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up because there's going to be some guys who want to take your picture. Stand up. Go ahead. Stand up. Everybody group in. Let's get the smaller kids up front. Come on, guys. Smaller kids up front. Smaller kids up front. That's, that was my favorite part as a kid. Small kids up front. All right, here we go. Come on. All right, here we go. Now, everybody look out towards mom and dad and wave. Go ahead and wave. And now real loud, I want you to say, Jesus is alive. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus is alive. Hey, y'all did awesome. Go ahead and head on back to your moms and dads. Go on. Thanks so much. And those guys, those guys are cool. You know, they're almost like real people. And moms and dads, you've done a great job with them. You really have. I know sometimes as a parent, we wonder and we think, you know, does it really matter? Is anybody listening? And let me tell you, they are. They're listening and they're watching and they're, they're soaking in all the different things that, that you're teaching them. And, and moms and dads, let's be honest for a minute, they're also, they're also soaking in the things that we're not teaching them too. They're watching. Man, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Keep praying for your kiddos. Keep pouring yourself into their lives. Keep reminding them of the love that you have for them. And, and most importantly, keep reminding them of the love that, that God has for them too. Now, how many of you parents, you told your kids today, you said, do not get dirty. Anybody already said that? Right? Remember, remember hearing that when you were a kid, right? You would put on your your play clothes when you got home from school because that's what you went and played in, right? And then when Sunday would come, well, you would have, you would have Sunday clothes. That's what, that's what you would do. And you were always told, look, I, do not mess up those Sunday clothes. But it's like kids are, are magnets, right? Well, what is it about kids where they just, they just seem to be attracted to dirt? And they love to go and play in the mud, I mean, I'm pretty sure this kid right here is in his Easter clothes. I think that's it. I mean, there he is. And, and really, that's just before mom and dad. That's just before you're getting ready to leave for church right there, isn't it? I mean, you've got the clothes put on. Everything's good. Everything's ready. And, and, and then for, for whatever reason, all of a sudden, you look around and, and they're just covered. And they're, they're just covered in mud. And, you know, it would be great if... If whenever you, had, whenever you had your children all dressed up, you could say, you know what, um, 
I want you to go play in the mud. I want you to go play in the mud and I want you to just go roll around in it because I know that, that you're going to clean the mud up. Wouldn't it be great if it worked that way? That, that instead of clothes getting muddy, all of a sudden the mud just got clean. Wouldn't that be really cool? It was Charles Swindoll in one of his writings a few years back that said, you go out and you, um, you go to your backyard after a good rain. And you go out there and you put on your, your garden gloves and you just reach down and you grab up a clump of dirt. And it'll happen every time, no matter what. The gloves will always get muddy. But the mud will never get glovey. It's true, isn't it? I mean, go ahead. I mean, you can try it. Go ahead and just reach down and, and grab you some mud one day and, and, and just see if, see if the mud's able to, to, get, to get glovey or if it's just your gloves that end up just getting covered in all the mud. See, you understand that, right? You understand that the mud just gets on you and sticks. You, you, you understand it because it's the life that we live because our mud, unlike... Unlike those on my gloves right now, they tend to stain a little bit deeper. It's the lies that you tell. It's the times that you promised you wouldn't, but you did. It's those times when you end up shouting when what you really wanted to do was, was just whisper in a nice voice. There's just something about the mud it gets on us and it begins to cover us and it just seems like that becomes eventually our identity. And we think that we're good for nothing except being muddy and except causing others to be stained with mud. And we go look in the mirror and the only thing we see, we just see mud. We just see mud that covers us. We see the indiscretions. We see the hurtful declarations. We see the days that we spent judging. We, we see the nights that we spent drinking. We see all the ways that we've hurt ourselves. We see the way in which we've hurt others. And we're covered. We're just covered in mud. And then we also feel the shame. And here's what shame does. Shame tells us that I am equal with my latest bad behavior. Whatever the latest thing was, whatever it is that I am not proud of, whatever it is that I've done most recently that I regret so much, well, that's my identity is what shame says. I'm ugly and I'm dirty and I'm unworthy of love. I never amount to anything because I'm mud. But here's the problem. When it comes to shame, shame continues to tell us that we're good for nothing but just wallowing in the mud and dragging other people through it. And that's why I think today is so important for us. Because the day is the day that we are reminded that God is able. That God is able to remove the shame of anyone willing to be made clean. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul describes and responds to people who are covered in the mud of their own sinfulness. He says, this is what God does when he sees all the mud that's in our lives. It's Ephesians chapter 2. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much 
That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now what are you supposed to do when you see something underlined? So let's try this again. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us from the dead. See, here's what he's saying. Christ, oh Christ is not the only one that walked out of the tomb on Easter morning. Christ wasn't the only one who received life. And so he, he writes to those same individuals and he says, hey, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those that he called. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Do you see where he's going with this? You see what he's saying? He's going, look, I'm going to leverage the resurrection. I'm going to leverage the resurrection and say that the same power that raised up Jesus is the same power that is in the life of those who believe in him today. And so he looked at a pagan and an idol-worshiping, sexually confused, culturally diverse Ephesian community. And he saw beneath the mud. He saw beneath all the dirt. And he saw an endless treasure that was re awaiting renewal through the power of God. He pictured a bold, loving community that were living confidently in God's presence, empowered by God's unlimited resources. They had inner strength because they had roots that were sunk deep in the very love of God. And they were living a life. They were living a life of impact because they were experiencing the love of Christ that made them whole and full. He said, all right, how can he be so confident though? How can Paul be so confident that the mud that is in my life that covers me is not my identity. I think it's this. Paul believed in the power of God. And he believed in a God who was able. And he wasn't the only one. See, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there was a man with leprosy who came to him. And begged him on his knees. If you are willing, well you can make me clean. The leper had no doubt as to whether or not Jesus could cleanse him. But the leper wasn't sure if Jesus wanted to cleanse him. He was so filled with shame and unworthiness. After all, he was extremely muddy. Leprosy was not just a physical disease. It came with a, a certain moral stigma as well. See, it was assumed that if you had leprosy, that you had done something to make God mad. It, it, those of you, you remember when grandma used to tell you, don't make God mad. Don't do that, it'll make God mad. They thought that God was mad at people who had leprosy. They thought that they were defiled. Other people could be healed, but lepers, they weren't just sick. They had to be cleaned. And so in the Old Testament, there were rules that were given how that a person who had leprosy should wear clothes that were torn and let their hair be all disheveled and unkept. They should cover up their, their upper lip and they should go around crying out, unclean, unclean. Because well, after all, what happens when you touch mud? You get muddy, right? And nobody wanted to be defiled. The rabbis of the day carried it much further. 
If a leper came into someone's house, the house was considered to be defiled and the house should be destroyed. They said if you saw a leper on the street, it was okay to throw rocks, throw eggs at him or her to make sure that they stayed away. They practiced a ministry and strategy of avoidance. Tax collectors and women of the time, women of the time were all to be avoided like the plague. They would not eat with them, work with them. They would not go and worship with them. They wouldn't even look at them. And the whole idea was they tried to keep from getting muddy. They didn't want to be unclean. Because everybody knew that unclean always contaminates clean. But scripture says Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy was gone. Jesus touched the leper before he healed him. Jesus should have gotten all muddy when he did that. He should have been covered in the uncleanness. He should have had the leprosy there on him. But what Jesus does, he goes and turns the Mosaic law on its head. Page after page of the Old Testament book of Leviticus. That's the one that you never read when you did your monthly Bible readings. Okay? Nobody, you only read Leviticus when you were sleepy. Let's just be honest. If you couldn't go to bed and the preacher's sermon didn't work, you just opened up Leviticus and you began to read. And there it was. It happened. But if you read through Leviticus, if you can remember anything, the conclusion is this. Clean, when touched by unclean, always becomes unclean. Always. It never works the other way around. A clean thing never once sanctifies, purifies, or restores the unclean. Until Jesus. Until Jesus. You see, Jesus, he makes the mud become glovey. He does. In Jesus, the direction of influence is completely reversed. And somehow the man knew. Somehow the man with leprosy understood that a new power had been loosed on earth and it caused him to go out into large crowds. It caused him to stop shouting unclean and to be able to run up, to fall on his knees at Jesus and say, if you will, I can be clean. I know you can make me clean. The man knew. As certain as he knew that fire was hot and that water can be cold, he knew that Jesus had turned everything upside down. Because now when clean and unclean touch, it's the unclean that surrenders its power. And it's that power. It's that power that Jesus used when he touched the leper. It's that same power that God used when he raised Jesus up from the dead. And it's the same power that God uses when he looks at our muddy life. And he says, you know what? I can do something with that. I can work with that. I can make the mud glovey. You see, it's why Scripture can say of every believer in Jesus that we are God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. And he has created us new in Christ Jesus. The person who trusts in Jesus is God's work of art. A restored creation. The mud, he says, becomes glovey. And I know all of us, we've all grown up in a culture of shame We've all grown up considering the voice and, and listening to the condemning voice of shame. We see the mud. We know the stain. 
We know the feeling deep down when, when Paul penned the words and said, you know what? I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He said, I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who is going to free me from this life? He says, what hope is there? Is there any hope for muddy people? And guys, I'm here to tell you this morning that to that question, is there hope for muddy people? Easter answers, yes. Easter goes, woohoo! Muddy people rejoice because your identity is not mud. You can be clean. There is a masterpiece that is waiting to be revealed. But God, so rich in mercy, He loved us that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead. Easter declares, guys, God is able. He is able. He is able to touch our muddied, sin-stained lives and make us clean. And you came here today and you thought, I don't know. I don't know the big deal. I'm not sure if I believe at all. Let me tell you this before we, I get finished. You need to know this. Jesus didn't just heal that leper, by the way. Cleanse the man. But he, wanted to, but he wanted to make sure that the outcast was restored to, to his community. You see, according to Jewish religious law, whenever someone with a skin disease was found to be cured of that, there was some two weeks that they had to go through a series of specific sacrifices and rituals as they were awaiting to be allowed back into Jewish society. And so after Jesus touches the man and heals him, he urges him not to go tell anyone about what had happened. You think, why wouldn't Jesus want people to know what happened? Because he says, I don't want you to go tell anybody. I want you to go to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. He says, look, I know you're going to want to go tell people, but they're not going to want to listen. Because all they're going to see is the mud. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go as fast as you can. You go as fast as those leprosy-free feet will take you. And you go to the priest and you start offering the sacrifices. And you start the process so that you can be accepted again into the community. See, the man needed healing. But more than that, he needed restoration. The healing was a means to an end. He needed to be included. And he needed to be embraced. And I don't know, maybe that's what you're looking for this morning. Maybe you're looking to feel a part of a family of God. Maybe you came here this morning needing to feel that, or needing to hear that your muddy choices and decisions have not forever stained your life. Do you need to be reminded that underneath the mud is is God's masterpiece? Do you need to experience the cleansing power of God? You know, 
I, I thought about all kinds of things with these muddy gloves. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if somehow I could, I could, I, I could make this mud glovey. And I mean, I, I've, showed you, I've showed you the gloves and I, I've showed you how, how muddy they are. And I thought, man, this would be really cool. It'd be really cool if, if I could do something up here, a little sleight of hand, and, and all of a sudden come out with some clean gloves. And not only that, show you my bucket and, and show you how, well, there, there's no mud in here at all. It, it's all. It's all just gloves. But, but I, I can't do that. I don't have that power. I don't have the ability to cause mud to become glovey. I, I don't have the ability to clean off every stain. I, I don't have the ability to perform some kind of trick to make you go, oh. so instead, here's what I thought I would do. I would just ask, is there anybody here this morning? Is there anybody here this morning who the power of God who's through the power of God has been able to be cleaned of the mud. And if there's anybody here this morning, here's what I want you to do. If you've seen your mud and you know, you know what? I'm a muddy person, but God has seen through that and he has seen the masterpiece and I've seen that power of God in my life. If that is you, then I want to ask you to stand up. Just stand up where you are if that's you this morning. How many of you know that, you know what, I'm covered in mud and I couldn't clean it myself, but praise God because of Jesus Christ. Here's the best illustration I can give you, folks. It has nothing to do with the bucket. It has nothing to do with the gloves. It has everything to do with you and what God is doing through your life. And if you're here this morning and you are covered in mud and you wonder, does anybody care? Does anybody love? Woohoo! God does. And he says he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. We're going to have individuals who will be up here in the front. We'll have individuals in our lobby near our prayer room. If you need to speak with someone about your relationship with God, we encourage you to do that. We're going to sing for a while together to encourage one another. And if you need to come, we ask you to do so as we praise God.